0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey, Jonathan. How's it going?
0: It's going good. Amy, uh, have you seen any good movies lately?
1: Well, I, I've i seen, actually I've seen two.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I saw Mission Impossible and I saw the Barbie movie.
0: Oh, all right. I've seen neither. My boys went okay. saw Mission Impossible without me because they're mm-hmm. bums like that but and I've not seen Barbie but we got some cool news Amy Yeah we have an interview this week about an upcoming film
1: that Ooh. comes out at
0: the end of the month on the 25th
1: That's really cool
0: We're going to be talking about it a lot over the next couple of months because The Hill starring Dennis Quaid and Colin Ford is our new sponsor here on the podcast
1: That's really neat There's yeah. a lot of good stuff happening This is this is the weekend for The Hiding Place also um for those who are able to see that in the cities where they... Yeah.
0: We talked about that on last week's show. But this week's show is presented by the upcoming film, The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid and Colin Ford. The Hill tells the story of Ricky Hill's incredible journey to overcome health challenges in order to play professional baseball. And The Hill is directed by Jeff Celentano, and the screenplay is written by Angelo Pizzo, the writer of Hoosiers and Rudy. How about that?
1: Oh, man. I'm going to have to see this then. Yeah because so Rudy's good but it's no Hoosiers.
0: You're a Hoosiers girl, huh?
1: Um if I have to pick between the two, it's yeah. going to be Hoosiers. All well, The Hill
0: releases nationwide August 25th, so at the end of the month, just a couple of weeks away, and uh, you'll be able to go check that out in theaters.
1: Do you experience this? I feel like I experienced that there I, there will be months and months and months where there is nothing out at the movie theater that I am interested in. And then all of a sudden it's like and then- and then it's yeah. like five things that I want to see yeah. in the movie theater. Yeah.
0: Basically, that's how it is. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, go check out The Hill in theaters on August 25th. You can get uh, pre sale tickets now, I'm sure. Uh, check your local show times and everything for that for the end of the month. But we'll have an interview. Got an interview with Jeff Salentano and Ricky Hill, the actual person, not the actor, but the actual Ricky Hill later in the show. So, really cool chance to sit down and talk with them this week and got the interview here for you on SBC this week. Amy, we start the news at Guidestone where their trustees met this week.
1: All right. So kind of starting starting the, the fall season of trustee meetings, Guidestone trustees heard reports on um, their strategy to expand kingdom reach. They are actually calling it reach, um, this strategy to strengthen core ministry partnerships in retirement investments and insurance coverage among SBC's churches and ministries. So that kind of got rolled out to them so they could hear a little bit more about the strategy as they beef it up. And um, I think had some other updates as well, if you got those.
0: Yeah, they have a new executive officer appointed. David S. Puckett, former senior vice president at Regions Bank Private Wealth Management in Birmingham, was appointed the chief denominational relationship officer. He succeeds Timothy Head, who's going to retire at the end of 2023. So, congratulations to Timothy Head on his retirement. So, uh, David Puckett, the new Chief Denominational Relationship Officer over there at Guidestone. Very cool. All right. So, congrats to him. Looking forward to meeting him. Have not met him. So, uh, we'll have to uh, meet him soon. So, Amy, we head to Liberty, where Jerry Falwell Jr. has sued the university, alleging trademark infringement for the use of Jerry Falwell Sr.'s Image likeness, you know.
1: Yeah, this uh, came out, and it was kind of surprising because obviously, there there's lots of there are lots of family members involved in Liberty University, so I'm sure there's got to be some awkwardness in this whole situation. But it uh, it specifically is accusing the school of misappropriating for itself the name of image of Jerry Falwell Sr. The
0: co-founder uh, t- of the university.
1: Right. Talking about advertising and promotional materials that use the Jerry Falwell trademark. Says it could leave consumers confused as to the relationship between Liberty University and the Jerry Falwell brand and the Falwell Family Trust. Now, I'm Again, just going to be... the I- I'm going to be honest. The
0: co-founder of the university, whose son I is mean, the chancellor.
1: <laughs> I'm going to be honest and tell you, if there, I, I I did. If there is confusion about the relationship between Liberty University and the Jerry Falwell brand, I mean, guilty as charged. I've always thought that that was kind of all because together. he was the
0: co-founder of the university. Right, right. Amy.
1: So I don't. This is, I guess, stating that it's not supposed to be that way. I'm not sure. So he it also, was
0: the co-founder.
1: Uh, but we're not weighing in on the lawsuit here. We're just sure. <laughs> we're just pointing out. So the lawsuit is claiming that the school has created a custom font based on his handwriting for advertising purposes, which I don't know if that's just like his signature or what.
0: Nobody wants a custom font of my handwriting, by the way, just throwing that right. out there.
1: Well, um, I, uh, having seen your handwriting, I would concur, um, and that, that they created a hologram of Jerry Falwell, which that's interesting. Um, Anyway, it also Nobody wants notes, one of
0: those of either one of us either. right by the way. It, al-
1: it also notes the intention to create a Jerry Falwell Center on campus as a welcome center for future students saying that infringes on the trademark. That one totally gets me, especially on a campus that has buildings and centers named after all kinds of people, including um,
0: him already.
1: Right. But anyway, this will obviously this is something that is very entrenched there at the school. The spokesperson for Liberty University argued that his name is synonymous with Liberty University for decades has been used across campus, including on buildings such as the Jerry Falwell Museum and the Jerry Falwell Library. Uh, They also said... Right. They also, they alleged, they've alleged that the lawsuit is a response to a request made by their um, most recent president, Falwell Jr., to pay $7 million for his permission to continue to use the name. So there you have it. It seems like this is a, uh, it seems like this is a family dispute.
0: Playing out in the public.
1: I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, we will watch that just like we do with all legal things that are of interest.
0: Yes. All right. Some sad news, Amy. Kay Dorsett, the wife of Baptist Convention of New England Executive Director Terry Dorsett, passed away this past week after a battle with pancreatic cancer. She was 58. She was an educator and a librarian in New England and um, lost her battle with pancreatic cancer this week. Also, uh, another loss in the Southern Baptist family, David Bunch, a name not many Southern Baptists know, but one that they should know. Tell us about David Bunch this week.
1: Yeah, so David Bunch helped launch the Mission Service Corps in uh, it's a big the night, right there. Yeah, in the 1970s. So
0: he should have called it the Mission Service Bunch.
1: Oh my goodness! No, I got nothing for it's that. The
0: branding opportunity there.
1: I I got nothing for that. All
0: right, carry on.
1: So this was a program that was created by the Home Mission Board, which is now Nam, uh, after a meeting between Southern Baptist leaders and Jimmy Carter, who was president. Uh, at the time in in at the late the White 70s. House. Yeah, at the White House. So it basically provided missionary service opportunities for more than 76,000 volunteers uh, for the Home Mission Board, and it uh, provided a funding pathway for Southern Baptist missions that wasn't really available at the time. So it's kind of a, it was an opportunity for self-funded missionaries.
0: All right, so question on this. Yeah. This sounds like Based on the time and, and I have honestly have not done my research on the Mission Service Corps. It, this sounds like the Southern Baptist equivalent to the Peace Corps.
1: Uh, that's kind of what I what I thought as okay. well. Although right. the Peace Corps was founded in nineteen sixty one.
0: Yeah, that was a John F. Kennedy thing.
1: Right. But but probably I mean it it was very um But you can see the parallel Right. It was very popular at the time. And Jimmy Carter, his mother had served in the Peace Corps.
0: I did not know that.
1: And he was just, he was a strong advocate of it. So I think it probably was something okay. that very cool. that was, that was very popular at the time and talked about at the time. Yeah. So I think that's probably a fair connection. Although I'd have to do a lot more digging to see if they really made, you know, connection. With we it. have to but,
0: look that up in uh, the BP archives. Here's a yeah, strange connection right. to the previous story. Amy bunch served as the interim executive director of the Baptist convention of new England.
1: Oh, okay. Back so, two thousand one. Um, yeah, yeah. So, a uh, precursor to Terry Dorsett. Yeah. Um, How about that? He he also was the direct national director for church planting at the Home Mission Board. So did a lot, you know. And the, these are some. Uh, sometimes when we have these losses, especially folks who were more involved in, you know, earlier or you know earlier years, like two thousand one is even has been twenty two years ago. They may not be recognizable names to us now, but they laid the foundation for a lot of the things that we do.
0: Yeah. So that's the news this week, and we turn to our interview with Ricky Hill and Jeff Celentano. This week on SBC This Week, we have a very special treat for you from the upcoming movie The Hill. We've got Ricky Hill, who uh, the movie is based on, his life, and then Jeff Celentano, the director of the film. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, you know, Ricky, let's start with you. Uh, story based on your life. Been trying to get it made for 10 or 12 years, 15 years. And, and you and Jeff kind of came together. You you found him uh, more than a decade ago to help you tell this story.
2: Yeah, I did. I uh, went through several people. And uh, this guy, he hit the home run. So it's kind of real simple. I, I chose this guy right here.
0: So so Jeff, you come on board. When when did you first get approached about the the project here?
3: Well, my brother met Ricky in a hotel lobby and overheard him talking about the movie and said, listen, my brother's a director. And if you're looking for a director, because you he heard that he was, he's the perfect guy for this movie because he's got a big heart and he teaches kids. And the whole movie is based on a kid's life. And so I got the script um, sent to me that night to meet Ricky and interview through him. He was a tough tough opponent you know he made me jump through fiery hoops because he had met a lot of directors he didn't like and so I just said all the right things and my heart and soul was in the movie that was all I cared about still today I'm still passionate about the movie and my wife and I every time we watch it which I have to watch it constantly for quality control and all kinds of stuff we've been going through before the release and every time we watch it we still get emotional and and still I just can't it's going to sound like I'm making this up or I'm trying to you know, give you some good press for the movie. But the truth of the matter is, every time I watch the movie, I love it even more. And I watch it. And every time I have people over and I want to show them a private little screening, I always say, I've seen it 100,000 times. I'm going to, you know, take a walk or something. I never get out of my chair. I can't, I can't turn it. I can't turn away. I just can't. <laughs> and um, so, anyway, so I, I got involved with Ricky through that. Uh, meeting my brother and then I set out to get the movie made and I decided after a friend of mine read the script he said he's a big producer friend he said uh, Jeff this is your shot you finally have a beautiful script instead of you trying to make you know decent movies out of uh, bad scripts you make good movies out of bad scripts now you have a great script and you can make a great movie so I decided I was going to do my homework and, and not make any mistakes so I I watched every bad movie like The Hill and every good movie like The Hill to know what I was not going to do and what I would do. And so I decided to assemble a crew of people, not only for their talent, but the fact that their movies have been really successful. And my friend said, who would you like to write this? And I said, the writer of of Rudy, who else? You know, how are we going to ever make that happen? And he said, well, it turns out he's one of my best friends and he owes me a huge favor. So let's send him the script and see what happens.
0: Yeah. Not just Rudy though. Hoosiers. He wrote Hoosiers too. Hoosiers too.
3: Yeah. Both of those movies. So um, I called Angelo and had a discussion with him and he got on board and it took quite a long time because he really fell in love with the movie and wanted to make it great and wanted to find Ricky's voice. That was a hard thing for Angelo at first. And then I started assembling a team of A-listers like Jeffrey Kirkland who designed the sets for Angelo's Ashes An Irish town they built from the ground up in Ireland. They 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 he designed um he Academy Award nomination for Apollo 13. Um uh Children of Men, an amazing movie. Uh people movies like that, Midnight Express even. Then I started the DP. I thought, well, the photographer, let's get the guy who had big success in these kind of films. Like he did um I Can Only Imagine and Woodlawn. And so I kind of did not make a long story. I started dissembling that kind of level of crew and uh, I got the A-list team. And so I had everybody around me that knew how to make a movie successful. And look, it's just, it's not, it's a recipe for trying to win. It's not a recipe for winning. You can only do your best. And um, I'm just super passionate about the movie. It's, I wanted to make a movie that everybody could go see. My influence for this film was Sea Biscuit, you know, and, and stand by me. Those two movies, you know, Echo Time, they never never fall off. They Everybody still loves them. They still stand up today. And Seabiscuit just made me feel so good. But also, you know, the conflict that that horse had trying to win through that whole movie was just intense. And so I wanted Ricky to go through that experience. So it's a, just a really good family movie I wanted to make so everybody can go see it. Every single family member could see it over and over again and never have a problem with any of the content. Yeah. None of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, Now, Ricky, you know... It, Jeff mentioned a couple of the guys on the, the technical side, the movie production side. Now, like on the screen, though, we're seeing your dad being played by Dennis Quaid and you being played by Colin Ford. So, like, what's that experience like having this Hollywood A-listers portraying you and your father on the screen?
2: Well, we're honestly, not trying to sound cocky or anything, but I think we should have, should have had nothing but A-listers. And so um, we got, and Jeff got them. Jeff brought, Jeff brought them to the. He brought them to the plate. I mean, real simple. He, he brought them there, and uh, I was thrilled about Dennis Quaid because there was other choices that he had, and um, he worked hard to, uh, to get. Well, he didn't work that hard because when Dennis read the script, uh, then the hard hard work began for Jeff, yeah. of, of tying it down. And putting it all together, and he just. Well, when made- I mentioned
3: when I mentioned Dennis to Ricky, Ricky, remember you loved him because he had all the qualities that you felt your father needed to play to for him to play in this movie. He he's generous, humble, uh, sweet, but also tough when he needs needs to be a stand up father, um, passionate about his faith. Dennis had all those qualities in one person. And it's very hard to find a lovable guy that you also can understand like if he's, if he's mean or he's tough ever, you can understand why, because he loves his ch- children, he loves his family. And that's what every family relates to, I think. Right.
2: Yeah. I, and there's something I wanna, else I want to say about Dennis is that uh, when I first met Dennis, um, not knowing what I really was going to get, but we're both Texans and uh, a lot of things like it just, it, like it just all came together because of all things, his grandmother, And my grandmother was both at the same little city at the same time. And we he and I both were there. We're roughly close to the same age. But uh, it all just like choreographed together. And then then I found out how much of the word he knew in the Bible. Because I wanted to check that out. I wanted to see and I wanted to kind of hear about what he knew about the word about how how far your Christian faith is. How deep is it? Do you know how much do you love Christ? What do you, what do you, or do you even know really Christ? And we sat down one night and that guy knew more, he knew more verses than I knew. And I know a lot of verses. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff will tell you, I know a lot of verses. And I, of course, I my, my dad, I had no choice. You know, I knew the books of the Bible when I was five years old forwards and backwards.
3: Yeah. I had to call his sister to verify all that. His sister yeah. said, yeah. <laughs> yep. Ricky used to pull the stool up in front of the house and preach to us at eight years old. Oh, I wow. did.
2: I'd, I'd take that pool. I'd take take that. I was, you know, James Robinson. I used to take that. I'd take that pulpit and beat, beat that pulpit. You know, my dad'd be looking at the window, watching me just do it. It was just so, it was just so funny. Yep. Yeah.
3: Because of my faith, I wanted to have the faith element very strong in the film, but not like hitting people over the head, obviously. But I also wanted to make a movie that was mainstream, that everybody could go see, and the non-believers that would go in the theater would fall in love with this movie, and maybe it'll take them to church. Um, I had I had a similar experience, I'll make it quick, but I was in watching the movie, I can only imagine, and the theater emptied. And there was a couple behind me up in the thing, and the guy yells down to me, because I sit through all the credits. Uh, Out of respect. And this guy says to me, you like the movie? And I said, well, are you the filmmaker? And he said, no, I don't even go to church. I cannot believe how good this movie is. I'm so, I have tears in my eyes talking to you right now. I'm so moved. I'm going to go to church, though. And I thought it was almost like a, it was almost like if you could pay somebody to say that, they would say it. But that told me, that night was right when I was in pre-production. And I changed my whole idea of how to focus this movie so that everybody would accept it, and that's just by little things I did in the script and stuff to really have the Christian audience understand the movie and fall in love with it, but also the non-believers fall in love with it too and maybe learn something out of it on the Christian side. So that yeah. was my goal.
0: That's that's pretty incredible. And you know, so Ricky, what what are you hoping the audiences come away with? I mean, obviously, it's a good story about a father and its son about pursuing your dreams. I mean, the, all the, the Hollywood things, but there, there's something bigger here. It sounds like,
2: well, there is, there's a lot bigger um, uh, in the beginning when I was very young and, and going through the braces that I went through, I went through like seven or eight different styles of braces that I wore. And then um, I really wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be, I wanted to be like my father, you know, I just taught, cause I just, I just adored my father and, uh, but I was also just, I was an athlete and, and at the same time, um, my dad wanted me to be a preacher, but I could hit a baseball a long ways and and rocks a long ways. And so it kind of, uh, it kind of came into play that, um, I just fell in love with, I had two loves, God and baseball. When I started, go, get when I got out of my braces, things changed in my life. And then I became very talented in baseball. And, uh, but the, the sad part was, was I had too many, what I was born with, but the problems that I was born with was the same that my, my grandmother, my great-great-grandmother my had. Which they had very little disc, and both of them were in wheelchairs. That's the only thing I could remember. And uh, saying that, I want the people, the audience, to to know that, like Jeff just said a while ago, he mentioned it the right way because I didn't want to. I didn't want this movie to beat them over the head because if you you know you just beat the Christian element over the head, a lot of times people will get up and just walk out the people will come if you don't do that and they can see it all that that element take place in the background and i think that's what he did he did exactly that right there with this film and when they walk out the door if they're not if they're not a christian and they don't love jesus uh i believe that they're going to think twice about it when they walk out the door because they're going to see a miracle happen in front of their eyes maybe you haven't seen the film yet but they're gonna see they're gonna see the holy ghost at work at the very end of the movie
3: oh yeah that that's amazing Uh, i was going to tell you about that Jonathan. Um, ricky for me the biggest moment of this movie and you know what really captured it for me the, the the feeling of this whole emotional thing that ricky went through his whole life um is what happened to him at the end of the film um, even Dennis Quaid said, did this really happen? Did this kid really do this? It's impossible. I said, he did it. He, he, it was a miracle. And Ricky described it as there was a spirit in him. He didn't know he was even there. I mean, it, something took over. And when you see the film, you'll see what that is and you'll understand it. And that's what drew, drew me in from day one. To me, it was like, I had to get to a final message in the movie, like, what is this message? And the message is, You know, if you keep your faith and believe in yourself and um, love God, you know, at the end, you know, he always will take care of you. And that's kind of what happened to Ricky. He was in a bad place at the end of the film because, you know, there was a lot of lot of stuff against him. You know, every obstacle you can imagine, this kid went through and he pushed through it all because of his faith at the end, did this magical thing that literally is magic. It's, it's amazing. You know, Angelo Pizzo, the writer, just saw the film. And I'm told no one this yet, except for Andrew. But um, he flipped out over the movie. And Angelo only wrote it years ago. He has not seen any of it. He was on set one day with me. And Andrew's very critical. And he wrote the most beautiful stuff about the film. He said the sports stuff was authentic and believable. And ultimately, the most important thing, the movie actually works. I teared up twice. And I'm also super familiar with the story. I couldn't believe it. I never cry in films. I know why it's getting a theatrical release with the combo platter of the faith base and the crossover Rudy kind of crowd. This movie has huge potential. And so there's more. Angelo wrote me two pages. I think I've had four lines from Angelo the, the, as long <laughs> as I've known him. He was gushing over the movie. I've never seen anything like it. So unfortunately, Angelo can't, you know, be with us. I'd love him to be on the radio with us today or
2: the, the Zoom, but he doesn't he talk to- on the phone very long. No,
0: no he doesn't. <laughs> not normally. So the movie release is August 25th, nationwide theatrical release. You can check your local listings to, to see it in the show times in your area. Um, but Jeff, you know, Hollywood right now, bit of a mess. Writer Strike, actor strike. How does that impact the movie or, or not at all?
3: Well, no, of course it impacts the film. Um, not having actors being able to do press because of the strikes is not a perfect scenario, but we've kind of flipped it on its head. And I, we, we did a lot of meetings and talks about, you know, the release and everything. And I said, God, I'm just going with God right now. He's guiding me. And there's something happening here. It's happened on this movie from day one. The fact that Corby and um, Briarcliff put this trailer up before, uh, um, Sound of Freedom all over the country, because they pull trailers when the movie's finished in the theater. In this case, Sound of Freedom is like the ever Battery. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going, and our trailer is playing everywhere because of it. That, that's a God thing. That's not, that's not some magic trick that happened. I mean, that really happened. And, and so in saying that, we decided to move forward because a bunch of movies got pulled the same release week we are, because they didn't have the actors to do press, and those movies I found out are reliant on actors yeah. because they're action films or something like that. They don't. Yeah, have I saw that to Sony
0: sell. had like pushed back a bunch of their releases. Yeah, because of this. Yeah, yeah, and so we we
3: know that we're a movie for everyone, every family member, every person that's out there that wants to go see a feel good movie, a feel good family film, and walk out inspired. Like my goal with the movie was the very. I think movies sometimes have four endings. I wanted one ending. I wanted. Ricky to do his magic trick at the end. And you are like up here. You're so exhilarated and have people walking out of the theater with that feeling, you know, get out when it's, when the getting's good. And so uh, we decided to go forward and get the movie out there. And um, consequently, we have no competition on that weekend we're opening. Secondly, uh sound of freedom's pushing our trailer. And now I think the trailer's out in some front of some other movies. And the fact that Barbie and Oppenheimer are making box office records, including Sound of Freedom, it shows that people are going back to the theaters like they used to. I think the timing is just a magic thing. I can't even question it. My 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 feeling about it is so powerful now that we did the right thing. I can't tell you. Yeah. Jonathan, That's and, and the
0: right. thing that you have that a lot of these others don't have, you've got Ricky Hill, uh, yeah. you know, who it's based on. So you you got right. the, the biopic actually works because, all right, we can't use <laughs> right. actors for promotion, but guess what? We got the real live thing.
3: That's right. That's right. can't complain about that. We both are super passionate about the story, not just because it's Ricky's. He got more passionate about it because it actually got made and he saw what we did with it. And he was very happy about the end result. Um, So that really helps him want to go out and talk about it more than he ever
0: would normally. Got to be a good feeling, Ricky, to to have your life portrayed in, in such a good way.
2: You know, it really is. It's just part of my life, of course, You know, know, the movie ends when I'm 18 years old and uh, it ends with a miracle happening that I said before that, like I said a while ago, I I just felt the Holy Spirit step right into my life and take over Uh, before I when I stepped on the ball field. And it was amazing amazing feeling for the first time that I actually got to feel the Holy Spirit. And I I don't know if you know what that's like. For the first time. But you know, you can, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is like telling me and directing me and telling me that what it's going to do for me. And I knew the night when I stepped in that plate, I told Jeff Salentano this I knew that I was going to destroy these pictures. I knew it. It didn't matter. It didn't. It didn't matter if Nolan came out of retirement and threw it to me.
3: But his. But it. But his. Uh, his. Um, his idea about that didn't play out so well. You'll see at the end. Um, he went in there with that, and then he was facing some lions.
2: I mean, when you're facing guys that are throwing 100 miles an hour, and
3: yeah, and he was a high school kid.
2: You know, I mean, against the I am. Up. Here I we am. We can't team.
3: give any more away. We're going to give too yeah. much away.
2: Yeah, I can't give a lot away, but but yeah. saying that, but it but it was so it was just so it was it was so beautiful that I have to say this. I had four cents in my pocket. That's all I had, <laughs> and 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 then, but it was such a beautiful night. And that four cents in my pocket, it was like I didn't even have have a way to even get home. Not enough gas money to get home, and everything just turned out so beautiful that I just parked my car out in the parking lot just looked at the heavens and just thanked God for what a beautiful night. And I and one time I thought the movie should be called A Big Night at one time. And also the other, Perseverance, because there's perseverance in this movie, because I'm not a quitter. I just don't quit. I can't stop. It's true. <laughs> I just, he'll tell you, he'll tell you, I can't stop.
3: You know, one, one thing Ricky Ricky did that he told tells at the end of our behind the scenes, he says that when he got offered um, something in his life, I can't tell you anything about what happened, but he, um, he thought that they were going to uh, – that he had to pay money to do what he wanted to do in life. He had no idea they were going to pay. He thought if you play professional ball, you have to pay money. You, yeah. you don't get paid. And that's how naive he was, and just he, he just was a raw talent. He could just do the impossible. But um, what you think is going to happen at the end is definitely not what what's going to happen. It's pretty it's pretty surprising.
0: We will leave it there then, and, and encourage folks to go and see the movie in the theaters starting August the twenty fifth. So uh, Jeff, Ricky, thank you all for being here. Really enjoy the conversation. Again, go see the hill. August 25th opens nationwide. Check your local listings and showtimes in the theaters near you. Thanks, guys.
3: Thank you, John.
1: All right. Thanks for that. That's a great interview.
0: Yeah. Really I'm looking cool. forward what, to the movie. I'm going to check yeah, it what out. what a
1: great opportunity.
0: Yeah. So it should be a good movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big sports movie guy. You know that. We've talked about that. But this is more of a you know movie that involves sports, but not as a sports movie kind of thing. Should be good. Looking forward to All it. Right. August 25th. So that's gonna do it for the first part of a show. Bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds.
1: All right, we're gonna go back to 1966. Um, it's not that uncommon now, particularly in cities or busier areas, to ha- need police officers to kind of help with traffic when churches, you know, when churches are letting out or or different things. But I think in 1966, it was kind of significant. So the the headline is Bible school. So big traffic jams caused the Bible um, so, school. Yeah. So this is about vacation Bible school um, in uh, at first Baptist Dallas.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Downtown. I can yeah. see how this is going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. So it said traffic tie ups in downtown Dallas are unpredictable but not unusual, except one. It occurred every weekday at noon for two weeks when the first Baptist two Church week of Bible t- school. Yeah. When the first Baptist Church of Dallas dismissed its vacation Bible school, comprised of a record enrollment of more than two thousand three hundred children. What? In nineteen sixty six. For two weeks. Holy cow, that's a lot of cars. Yeah, said three. They had three patrolmen with regular assignments to direct traffic as the mass exodus of children took place around the downtown buildings. Wow! Um, also on hand each morning as the carloads of children arrived. that that's very important. How do you all do that? Kids. Like that is yeah.
0: In a downtown, oh my word!
1: Now they said that's that a the, lot of people. That the average daily attendance was about fifteen hundred because you got kids that it doesn't couldn't matter. make it some day. That's a lot but, of people. That's a ton. And and I want I want you to think about this too. Like we had uh, at RVBS um, for some, I want to say it was around 1100, 1200, something like that. That's across, that was across multiple campuses around the triangle. Like that was a total. This is like 2300 total, an average of 1500 a day in the one location in, in downtown, the of downtown, Dallas. downtown Dallas. In downtown Dallas. These parents are like dropping their kids off in downtown Dallas. Um what year is this? 66.
0: Goodness gracious.
1: That's crazy. And it and it also said said the all-time high enrollment was especially encouraging in the gains made in intermediate, senior and young people's departments. About 130 youth were added over the 1965 enrollment. They said that that did not include because they also had six different mission churches around Dallas. That didn't include those enrollments. Wow. So they had VBSs everywhere. and uh, they, That's a lot they of flatograph, by the way. <laughs> it really is, especially in 1966. Said that they attributed the success of the VBS to a long series of faculty meetings, church member participation, and strong members in Bible teaching. That... 25 years before, so in 41, when Truett was pastor, they had 150 children enrolled. And then by 1966, 2300. So really interesting. Certainly traffic jams. Can you imagine all those kids coming out at lunchtime in downtown Dallas? Uh, Must have been crazy. Um, but I know VBS is kind of on a lot of people's minds. It's probably over for almost everybody because it's August and um Everybody's getting ready to go back to school, but I enjoyed I got to volunteer some at hours and it was great to uh to be a part of that. But VBS was a big thing in 1966, a long time ago, this week in SVC wow. history.
0: Well done WA. Big deal. Wow. That's a lot of people. And speaking but, of first days of school, today for my kiddos. So.
1: You know what's weird? First of all, North Carolina is so different. Like we don't go back until the end of August, but second is that is not my life anymore yep that's yep. it no
0: kids going off to college
1: right we're we're doing dorm move-ins uh first one on net like in a week next Saturday and then the second one the the Wednesday following that and then we
0: I appreciate gonna... the uh the schools shifting those around the pod and and not doing it on days that we we need to record
1: yeah well so
0: I that's just very... send my Letter of thank you to Danny Aiken and whoever the president at East Carolina University is.
1: Right, right. So uh but but yeah, you say it's the first day of school and normally I say, Oh, that's not us yet. That's just not us at all. The so
0: Rub it in, Amy. Rub it in.
1: New new uh new season in the Whitfield 10 house. Ten
0: more years. So and, nine yeah, more yeah there you go.
1: There, so, you go. there you go.
0: There you go. All right, well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a new podcast from Baptist Press, uh, BP Sports in particular, the Gridiron and the Gospel podcast, George Schroeder and Brad Edwards. You know George from his time at Baptist Press, as well as his 20 to 30 years of coverage of college football for USA Today, the Oklahoma, and the Oregonian, a lot of big publications. George knows a thing or two about college football. And Brad Edwards, you may know from ESPN College Game Day and ESPN Radio, different things like that. Like these guys know their college football and they are going to start a new podcast, have started a new podcast. It is out now, the uh, The preview episode, the newest or the uh, first real episode drops next week. But you need to check that out. Uh, Gridiron and the Gospel is the podcast name. You can find out more and subscribe at gridironandthegospel.com. So I'm pumped about this. I've been texting with those guys because there's a lot going on right now in college football world, Amy. I don't know if you're paying attention to that, but Arizona moving away from the Pac twelve to the Big Twelve. You got all this shuffling going on, Colorado leaving the Pac twelve. The Pac 12s dead, basically.
1: All right. So and I'm
0: so looking forward to them just talking about that and all the other things in college football this year.
1: All right. So confession here. Um we we have a a like a group text yeah. uh, you me or and george. george that goes back to when we all work together and um you know it's it kind of ebbs and flows and we have day you know days where it's really busy or whatever and you guys have been talking a lot about this in that group thread and i don't know if you've noticed i've not said anything um and last night i told keith uh, across the counter i said so this all this stuff is getting dropped in this thread and i don't really know what they're talking about I just I feel like I should read it to you because you will know what they're talking about. Exactly. So I read I read the whole thing out loud to him and he was quite interested in all that See? y'all had to say. There we go. Um so it it still did benefit my home even though I wasn't tracking a bit with it. So uh just yeah.
0: Yeah, Keith's worried about the implosion of the ACC, I bet. And what's Clemson going to do?
1: Yeah, he's very excited about college football season. So. I bet.
0: I bet. All right. Well, yeah. that's my resource of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is?
1: Mine is a book that is coming out in September, but you can pre order it now. And I believe it has arrived at my house already.
0: Well, if it's not coming out till September, how's it at your house in Lots the of, of excitement.
1: August? All right. So it is an edited volume by Brandon Smith who oh, we just talked about. Yeah. Um, it's called The Trinity in the Canon, A Biblical, Theological, Historical, and Practical Proposal. So um, Brandon Smith and a, a number of different theologians are—they um, demonstrate that Trinitarian theology derives directly from Scripture and should produce both right doctrine and right living. It's got an amazing list of contributors. I highly recommend the chapter on Acts by one Keith Whitfield. Um, But a lot of other uh, incredible scholars have uh, been part of that. Matt Emerson, Heath Thomas, Luke Stamps, Tom Schreiner, Malcolm Yarnell, uh, tons and tons of others. Um, But that has been something with a lot of excitement in our house and uh, lots of discussion last year about working on the Acts chapter uh, so that is coming out and those, uh, those out there, particularly those interested in Trinitarian theology should Well, check is Keith out. a
0: classic Trinitarian?
1: <laughs> I know why you're asking that. I believe the answer is yes. So the other morning I was joking and uh, I, t- I had told you about this, that, um, for a long time, long, long time, Mary tried very hard. She would say, uh. I'm not, I'm not like you guys. I'm not interested in the things you all are interested in. I don't like to read. I don't, you know, all this stuff. Uh, She made a really valiant effort. And now uh, here she is. She just finished her third year interning at the SBC annual meeting. And she has changed her major to theology. And very early, very early in the morning, I heard, I overheard her asking, dad, are you a classic Trinitarian? And I thought, Five years ago, I, this is not a question I would have anticipated from her because she tried really hard uh, to not to not be like us, and she is exactly like us. Those Whitfield like,
0: apples don't fall from like the, the, far the, from the tree. There, she's
1: like a combination of the both of us. She gets way into some you of know these. How, theological, kids are usually
0: like that. You know how DNA works. I know. Mean, I know. We, we need to go I, know. Back. I, I get flashcards. I can use.
1: I know, but even in her interest in what she's pursuing, like all it, she and Keith get into theological discussions that are like even i'm you know eyes rolling in the back of my head so uh very very funny but yes but does yes, she know so... the
0: best place to get a lobster roll on martha's vineyard
1: probably not that's where i come in
0: yeah so. see that you gotta you gotta raise her up train her up man i know Proverbs i 22 6 amy yeah.
1: she's not she doesn't have the foodie interest that i do so
0: well it's the i blame the allergies the food allergies
1: Although I would recommend, if you're on Martha's Vineyard, I would focus on getting the amazing clam chowder at the Black Dog, um, and save the great ro- lobster roll for other other, other places, on the Cape, yeah. other places on the Cape. So okay, all
2: right, yeah.
0: or Bar Harbor.
1: Yes, there's an amazing place side of the road there.
0: There we go. All right. Every yeah. time I see a lobster roll video online, I send it to you, just so you know.
1: Yeah. I listen. I love a great lobster roll, <laughs>
0: and you do not complain whatsoever.
1: Nope, nope. I add it to my bucket list.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for the show this week. We've talked movies. We've talked uh, baseball. We've talked college football. We've talked lobster rolls, and we've talked SBC news. So, kind of hit all the uh, all the high points, Amy. All the major you know food groups we covered today. There you go. All right. Well, Amy. See you next week.
1: See you next week.